morning. It's Nicole Leemaster on Coleology. And today I have Brad Kammer on the phone with me. Good morning. Good morning. Hi, Nicole. Hi. I'm happy you're here. And Brad is a somatic psychotherapist in a private practice, as well as a college professor, community educator, and consultant for several training organizations. He is also a trainer in somatic experiencing and neuroaffective relational model, NARM. Two cutting-edge approaches to working with shock and developmental trauma. His passion lies in supporting individuals, couples, and families in shifting old patterns and experiencing greater pleasure and fulfillment in their life. Ultimately, he believes this is the pathway towards greater tolerance and peace in the world. So... I'm super excited to dive into this conversation and hear about wherever you're most alive, but I have no information or understanding yet um, about the neuroaffective relational model, and so I would really like to talk about that and kind of unpack it and understand what it is that you're doing. Sounds great. Yeah, so we, you know, we refer to, it's a big title, Neuroaffective Relational Model, so we refer to it as NARM, and uh, NARM was created by Dr. Lawrence Heller, Larry Heller, who was actually uh, initially my somatic experiencing teacher, so he was one of the first SE teachers with uh, Dr. Peter Levine, and uh, Larry has been a somatic therapist since the early 70s. I mean, he, I think, started the Gestalt Center and 1972 or something back in Colorado and so he's been in this field a long time and uh, so I I learned somatic experiencing which is a model for working with shock trauma through the body and over time I I just got really drawn to his approach of working with more complex trauma working with uh, attachment trauma relational trauma developmental trauma (laughs) I'm I'm sorry I'm laughing but that's like all of my trauma (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, all of us, all of us. I mean, not not everyone has had these huge shock traumas like going to combat or, you know, being assaulted or being in a major car accident. But we've all had wounds from, you know, our our life, childhood, growing up and some bigger, some smaller. And yeah, and it affects our development. And so, you know, I started becoming really interested in that. And, um, you know, it was my kind of belief that the working with the body was, was critical of helping people become more regulated in the body. But there also was a, a, another kind of larger component of like, who are we exactly? And like, how do we fit together and how do, you know, individuals and couples and families and communities and the whole world. I mean, there's all these huge components. And I, I found this, in NARM, I found this place where it really spoke to both, you know, the regulation of the body and working with helping us connect more into our aliveness and our our balance and and also this larger piece about, you know, how we view ourselves in the world and the filters that we use that we might call personality or identity. But how do we dissolve some of those and free that up so that we can really live in our most kind of authentic place? Mm. Oh, yeah, that's really, that's kind of really interesting, actually, because I feel, I don't know, I don't know if this is true or not. I'm still kind of unpacking my experience, but like when I went into SE, I felt 
<clears throat> so we all have these masks or personalities that we wear. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And what SE kind of did for me, or what I feel like it did for me, was I was really um, porous. Like, I guess my boundaries were porous. And actually, even maybe my ego, my ego structure was a bit porous. Like, I was... Uh, does that make sense? Yeah. Like, and somehow SE helped me stabilize a little bit more and, and come into, um, come more in, solid into my center. And I feel like actually my ego structure somehow solidified. And early, I guess I kind of misspoke because I didn't, I said like relation relationship and attachment was all my trauma, but I've actually had big, I've actually had bigger things too. I've, um, had rape and also, um, some like a huge T-bone car accident. And so like, I, I've had the bigger shock traumas too. So, but I, I almost think like, I almost think, and let me know if like what your thoughts are about that. But like when you have like deep attachment and relationship issues at like certain developmental years, I I believe that it kind of does set you up for like the bigger shock trauma somehow in your life. Um, And so, so like part of my growth was actually embedding more in myself. And as I've embedded in myself, I've, I feel like now it's almost time to like be able to again let go, but let go from a different space uh, to be more alive and my more fully myself in the world. So I think it would be interesting to hear what that actually looks like in this model. Like what what does that look like? Like shedding some of that. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I mean, the, one, another reason why I really like NARM, and I actually I really like the somatic approaches I've studied because they seem like, you know, I, I studied different spiritual approaches and meditation and yoga for many years, and you know, I, I I think that there's a way that some of the spiritual perspectives and practices aren't quite embodied enough. They're not alive enough, and actually, in the psychological world, that's definitely true from my perspective that a lot of the psychological approaches are really effective and they're and they're really good but they're not embodied enough and so I, I really wanted to find this kind of connection between you know the, the spiritual and the embodied so that you really felt the aliveness in your body it wasn't just something that we kind of reflected on or thought about or (laughs) you know experienced at a distance but you actually felt it and it's one of the things that i i love the most when i first was starting off in my practice or in as a therapist being a somatic oriented therapist from the beginning it was so cool to hear people say to me things like you know i've been in therapy for 20 years but i've never actually felt shifts happening in the moment like i do in this work Mm. and to me that that's like the coming alive piece that is exciting for me, uh, both as a practitioner and also on the client end of it. So, I mean, I think getting back to, you know, what, what you were asking, I mean, how it looks in the work is, you know, in, in SMAC experiencing, we were talking about this before we got on the podcast, but there's like these, you know, the, these kind of polar, polar pushes or forces in the environment. And you can look at it through many different lens. I mean, you can look at it through the yin and yang, and there's many different perspectives. And in somatic psychology, we generally look at these kind of expansion contraction states. And, you know, from our perspective, and Wilhelm Reich, who is the founder of somatic psychology, this is what he really based his whole understanding on, 
which somatic psychology built upon, which is these ways that we both have kind of expansion forces in our body and contraction forces. And in the trauma work, we look at that basically trauma is when we get stuck. It's when the, the natural fluid rhythm or oscillations between those states get stuck. And so I think in NARM, I mean, this is kind of an esoteric way of saying it, but in, in NARM, we're really helping kind of create more capacity for larger, you know, pendulations or shifts between these kind of expansion and contraction states. So people feel more resilient. They feel more of their emotional, they can tolerate more emotional states. They don't have to run from themselves or cut off parts of themselves. They can be more present even to the really hard parts, like the mm-hmm. shadow side. Yeah. You know, and that, that really empowers us then to live much, you know, what's the word, uh, free, freer, freer lives. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and in that, in that, then we're taking off some of the masks, right? I mean, like just that. So it's, yeah. so NARM is literally helping you hold the larger pendulations. Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's support. Well, I would say it like this, it's supporting what's in the way of those kind of larger pendulations for lack of a better term. It's like, what's in the way of us being more regulated? Like that's how in clinically, that's how we start in, in the NARM work. It's like, we're asking people what their intention is for their work. Like, what do they want to get out of their work or what's their optimal outcome? And we start from that. So let's say they want to feel less angry in their life. Well, we want to start by understanding what is it that's in their way of getting that because those, those then speak to like, you know, you were calling it the masks or we could, call, you know, in norm we call it the identifications or in more somatic terms, you could call it kind of the dysregulated patterns. I mean, there's many ways to look at it, but like what's in our way of getting what we, we have already inside of us. And that's, that's really there for us at any moment. Like what's blocking our connection from this larger life force within us, within us. And then, in our connection to the world. Yeah. So they're like, I, so like maybe some difference between, I'm just trying to understand like, cause NARM seems super similar to somatic experiencing, experiencing, but then the difference is like, um, from what you just kind of said would be really putting the self advocacy on the client in setting intentions yeah, that's one part of it. Um, the other part of it is that, you know, again, in, uh, you know, models. So, you know, for the last 20 years or so, you know, we've been studying a lot about PTSD and about shock trauma. And, you know, we've had this big boon in all these somatic approaches because what we've figured out is that when you have these shock trauma experiences, car accidents, assaults, whatever it is, it's a brainstem response. It's, it's a really kind of subcortical response of these survival responses, you know, fight, flight, freeze responses. And that's why it's, it's been these somatic perspectives, EMDR, SC. I mean, there's, there's quite a few out there now. Even things like yoga, they can be really effective for helping heal shock trauma because they're working with the brainstem and helping regulate and get us back into balance. But we differentiate in NARM between working with shock trauma and working with complex trauma or developmental trauma, which then includes the cortical 
and higher parts of our brain. So it includes the emotional parts of our brain. It includes, includes the cognitive parts of our brain, the more relational parts of our brain. And really, about it becomes more, when you're talking about developmental trauma, you're really talking more about the self and how the self got disrupted. And so then we start talking about things like shame, like self-hatred. Mm. Uh, and we start looking at all these different ways that it's not just about regulating the nervous system, although, of course, that's a component of it, but it's also about how do we free ourselves from some of these strategies that we use as children to survive, like shame. Shame is a strategy that we use to survive our childhood. Yeah, yeah. And and I find when I drop into shame or self-hatred, like it dysregulates my nervous system. It's like coupled or something. Exactly, exactly. That's oh. exactly how we see it. And so we need to free that up, that, that, that basically as children, that was the best we could do under the circumstances because our survival was all about the attachment. It was all about staying safe you know, and the way to stay safe as mammals is to stay connected to your parents no matter what. I mean, they have all these studies that they've done around how abusive and neglectful parents can be towards children and they'll still be, you know, children still need that attachment. Right. And so what we do is, as we start to develop and, and get older is that we start to internalize the environmental failures, the, the, the wounds that were happening, and they become part of ourself. They become aspects of who we are in the world. Right. So, and then that limits us. That, that becomes those false masks or those false selves that you refer to. Yeah. And then, then, and then that's where like we end up recreating, right? Like there's the pattern. Like, so, exactly. oh. Yeah. Well, it even goes further than that, Nicole, because it's like we, I mean, this is maybe some people might think this is pushing a little too far, but I mean, from our perspective, it's like we end up actually recruiting people to keep us stuck in those old familiar patterns. I actually, no, no, I don't think it sounds crazy. Okay. So you have to hear this. So I am an intern right now and Uh I was just talking to my supervisor and I found, or I thought I found the most amazing um, chiropractor. And I went to the chiropractor several times and to the chiropractor's like um, glorification that I will do is like, I think he was the best chiropractor I have ever, ever been to. So he is like so amazing um, via body. But then there was this weird emotional um, kind of thing that was unfolding and that I had to stop going because it like had this flavor of, um, just abuse. Um, and so I stopped going and it was a really difficult situation for me because, um, my body, my back had kind of blown out and I needed a chiropractor and I couldn't believe I found this amazing chiropractor. And it was like, do I go for my body and like withstand the kind of weird emotional thing that's unfolding or do I honor this emotional um, thing and and have to try to find a chiropractor that suits my body needs and it's kind of difficult to find because it's it's kind of um, a nervous system thing like my back is like related to my adrenal glands and so it it takes a, a special like um, type of education to be able to find the proper chiropractor. And so I was talking to my supervisor and I was like, how in the hell, excuse my language, Uh am I manifesting? Like I'm, I'm finally out of like relationships, like, like 
yeah. intimate relationships that that look like this. But how am I still even like drawing people from the world into my life that still somehow like represent this like thing for me? I mean, like a a chiropractor for God's sakes. <laughs> exactly, it's a, great, it's a great example. Yeah, <laughs> and so like. Uh, and and I really desperately want to shift that, but I I actually just made the correlation um, that like my nervous system, like I do this self hatred thing, like I do it, I know it pretty well. It's like it is what kept me safe when I was younger, and I'm very familiar. And and somehow even with all of the therapy, I'm still like here, I'm better, but here. But I've noticed like as soon as I drop into that space, I'm completely dysregulated, and then and then the people. Um, I choose to interact with at that time are a little bit different than the people I would choose from a more regulated space. And so, so like, I just, I kind of wonder about that. Like, like part of me, the part of me that wants to heal, like wants to believe that there isn't a solution to that. And like what you're saying with NARM feels real. It kind of feels real. And I haven't <clears throat> been into training or any education yet that like has addressed those things. So yeah. I'm super interested. And then the other part of me, and I don't know what part this is. It's just like, really, can this really happen? Is this, or is this just like, am I doomed? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Well, that, yeah. And that, again, that's the experience of, of a child when you're trapped in a situation where there's no hope, you know, and we internalize that and that becomes then the filter that we see the world in. And it, it, it creates all kinds of, you know, self-sabotaging behaviors because we can stay in relationships way too long. We can, you know, not vote in the election or all kinds of stuff. And then, you know, it doesn't actually help us, you know, in the long Hmm. You know, so in the, the other part I wanted to say, as part of your story, is in our we we hold the hypothesis that there's two parts at play here. So there's one part that's deeply yearning for greater aliveness, greater connection, greater fulfillment, but there's another part that is terrified of it. And yes, so we we want to understand both. You know, and it's not about kind of you know cheerleading one or the other you know it's not it's really about we want we want our whole all the different aspects of ourselves to be able to like the way i think of it is like they all can sit at the table together Mm. and once you know once you're with your family your large family for thanksgiving and you're all able to sit together with all your differences and even your resentments but everyone's able to just be there and get along because your value is about the connection when we're able to do that in ourselves it really creates you know, I think a, a much stronger sense of ourselves. I love that imagery of sitting at the table, like with all aspects of self. And then it's like embedded in just the connection with self, right? Like, exactly. Wow. That's, that's really cool. Yeah. Because I mean, we're going to have par- parts of ourselves that we, you know, don't like, or even disgusted by or hate. I mean, there's, just, you know, there's a whole, whole range of it. There's I don't like, have, I don't have that feeling. <laughs> well, most of us. Most I'm just kidding. And, uh, and, you know, and so how do we, you know, instead of spending all this energy trying to numb those parts or silence those parts or cut those parts out, like what if we took a different approach and like found a way to actually get to know those parts and, you know, integrate them. And maybe there's a wisdom in, in some of them. Maybe there's energy energy that's contained in them that would actually help us to feel 
more aliveness. Like that's our perspective. And that's, that's really what I, I love working in that field because then it's like, everything is accepted. We can, you know, it's all grist for the mill basically. Yeah. I love it. I love it. I mean, I'm going to have to look into it for maybe potential next training. Cause I, I really believe that there's something there with the developmental and attachment, um, part that like really needs to be looked at because I, I feel like sitting, just sitting with, I mean, not even as a intern, but like just sitting with friends, like that's what comes up most is the attachment aspect. Um, yeah. And so, um, yeah, really cool. Thank you for sharing. And then, uh, is this what you're also teaching in schools or what, what are you doing as an educator? Yeah, so I, you know, my passion um, has always been, so my career started off actually as a, uh, I worked as a humanitarian aid worker in Asia with Burmese refugees. And so before I was a psychologist, a therapist, I, that's what I, that's what I did. And I firsthand experienced, you know, significant transgenerational trauma. Uh, and, and then myself, I developed, which I didn't know at the time, of course, but I developed uh, what I now know with secondary PTSD. So I actually had to leave earlier than I had anticipated. And that became a huge gift for me because it, it landed me in a, a, you know, a search for a way to deal both with what I was dealing with internally and also some model or approach that was going to be able to be taken out to the world that was going to be more available for different cultures. It wasn't going to be so just Western cultural bound. Um, and I found, you know, the somatic work and particularly somatic experiencing just being such an effective method because it was just purely working on the nervous system and our, right. our brain and body and everyone in the world has a brain and body doesn't matter what religion or race you are and so that was really exciting for me to to, to learn that and so my passion over these years then has been to make that as a, that kind of work understanding the body mind connection making it as accessible as possible and you know i love I love all kinds of different teaching. I mean, I love teaching at community college, which has been kind of the main gig I've been at for a long time now. And I, I like, you know, um, you know, I've worked with 12 step groups. I've worked with kids on probation. I mean, I've worked with all kinds of different groups and I just enjoy making it accessible to people because again, because everyone has a brain and nervous system, everyone can relate to this. It's not so complicated. And, theoretical it's just like hey you know have you gone to the bathroom today <laughs> yes well do you know what it feels like when your bladder feels full yes well that's you know that's a sensation okay so right there your brain has communicated to you a sensation it's no different than when you're having a panic attack you know <laughs> so oh my gosh I like I went through three years of training and I didn't like have it broke down so easily I love it <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, because that's my thing. It has to be simple and accessible or it's it, it's just not for me, you know. And so, yeah, so that's been my passion. So that's that. I, I teach psychology classes. I've taught, you know, every semester I teach intro to psych and I teach other classes. Um, and recently I've been teaching at Sonoma State University and they invited me into their graduate program to teach specifically on trauma from a somatic perspective, which has been really cool. Oh, congratulations. 
Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's great. But even in the, you know, the just the traditional intro classes or any of the psychology classes I teach, abnormal psychology, whatever, I'm always bringing in this information about, you know, the brain and the body and, you know, doing a lot of exercises and skill practices that people can really relate to and take it out into their lives. Oh, so you um, also teach exercises that like you can kind of practice at home type thing. Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It has to be, I mean, there has to be things that people can take away and relate to, you know, to make it personal and to, I mean, again, again, this comes from my kind of larger vision and you kind of mentioned this in your introduction about me, about that, you know, I really believe that the, you know, that the problems in our world on a global perspective have to do at the root with trauma. Mm, Yeah. You know, and I believe that unresolved trauma just continues to accumulate over the generations. And so the, the more we don't find ways to shift these patterns inside of us, then the more the trauma just keeps on building and, and shaping our civilizations and our mm. world. So I, I, I'm like burning with passion to like help people to develop skills that might seem small in some way, but you know, if they can just balance themselves a little bit more so that maybe they don't scream at their child every morning before they yes. go to school or yes. that, that's, that's a lot, you know, that's huge. As a mom, that is huge. Like, to have the difference between a pleasant day with my son versus a stressed out one is completely life-changing, actually. I mean, as a mom, that's one of my most important, like, highest priorities is just staying regulated enough to enjoy the little being that, like, I share life with. Exactly. And I mean, like, yeah, I guess it would just seem little to some degree, but to a large degree, that's shaping his whole entire future. Exactly. Um, I wonder, have you ever thought about doing, because you're saying like exercises and I'm thinking like, I want to know these exercises. (laughs) (laughs) Like, have you thought about doing like a YouTube channel or something? Um, no, not not exactly on that direction. That's a good idea. It's a great idea. That is a great idea. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll have to talk about that more. <laughs> because, like, that would be really cool to, like, see what you're doing and kind of, like, have that somehow ripple out in a, an accept, an, on a really easy, accessible format and platform. Yeah. And YouTube yeah. channels are huge for that right now. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think of it in like, this is how I think of therapy. And I think I think of this in three levels. It's like, you know, the first level is like, I'd say 60 to 70% of people, maybe even higher that come into therapy, they really just want to like have symptom reduction. They just really want to find greater balance. So their symptoms are less prominent. And I think that would be a great vehicle for that kind of thing probably. Um, and then you have the, the next percentage. Let's, so let's say that 70% of people are coming in cause they want symptom reduction. I'd say then 20 or percent or so 25% of people that come in, they are open to reorganization and shifting these kind of deeper patterns that are actually fueling the symptoms. Like they recognize that it's not just the symptoms that need to be addressed. It's actually the deeper patterns. Right. 
And so you do get a certain percent. And then sometimes people that just came in for symptoms, they start to open up to that idea too at some point. Um, and then the last percentage, which is, <clears throat> you know, maybe what you and I have been talking about here is the percentage of people that really want to not just reorganize these and shift these old patterns, but want to really embrace the transformation aspect of it. Yeah. And, and that, and, you know, again, from our perspective, you know, that's, that comes out of the symptoms. I mean, that comes when people start to have these symptoms, it's a crack and it allows us to start to open up what's underneath that. And not only just to shift those patterns, but to actually use that to transform our life in a, in a bigger way. Yeah. That's what I'm looking for. Yeah, I think people crave it, but it's scary. You know, I mean, it, it is. It's terrifying. Yeah, it is. <laughs> I've, I have invested myself into it. I am fully bought in, and I'm terrified daily sometimes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because it, it challenges everything we think or we know or we, you know, how we, I mean, it's it's big. It's really big. Yeah, it is. It's And it's so rewarding at the same time. Exactly. Uh, yeah. yeah. And I feel I see myself in a different way. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Like my my therapist, um, who actually you know, um, Seiji Ono. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, he who is also a deep attachment person. Um, thank goodness. So I I get like a lot of the attachment work with him, but um, he talks about. I think that that's where the super spiritual uh, the. The spiritual ego, like, because there's the super ego, and then he calls it the super spiritual ego. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> kind of, like, emerges. Because, like, there's this thing where it's like, oh, well, you can kind of see where the transformation can happen, but then you're still this human um, in this world embedded in these patterns that, like, you're still working on, right? Because, I mean, it's still, like, this constant work. And, like, there's maybe this place where you emerge but then there's also these places where you kind of go back into your patterns and and because I'm like desperately I I don't know if I want to use the word desperately but I really no I desperately I desperately want transformation um because I feel like the world needs it at this point and like the only place I can actually do it is myself yeah. And and then it can like kind of ripple out into the world. Um but I can't actually make somebody else do it, right? Like I I'm yeah. I ha- I have to do it in order for anything to actually shift. And um I'll do this thing where I go back into my experience and I'll have like my observing ego witness myself go back into like an older pattern and then I'll be like, but I shouldn't be here because like, you know, I've been doing all this work and I'm like in my super spiritual ego, you know, and he's like, just let that super spiritual ego sit to the side, say, thank you very much, but that's not helping. (laughs) (laughs) I like that. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. I mean, I think a lot of us have all those shoulds and I mean, which again is just part of that shame, blame, self-hatred piece i mean it can it can come in different masks but it can come as even spirituality you know the way that we try so hard to cut off parts of ourselves or rise above parts of ourselves yeah are you finding because you've like invested in this um work um as personally like that some of that shame and self-hatred has shifted with the norm model yeah yeah 100 percent. i mean for sure 
like it, it's it's a little hard to say it's norm versus this because you know like you I you know been doing a lot of work over the years on myself and but I I find that the the norm work and just just working generally with these kind of larger patterns is is so critical um, because again it just it shapes so much of how we view ourselves and we view the world and so the more I I get a little bit of freedom from some of these old patterns and the more you know i'd say one thing that i notice the most you know is that i'm i'm less reactive i mean i have more space i can pause i can there's more you know what we, we use this word mindfulness all the time it's kind of a throwaway word now but i, I mean it, it really is true it's like i have more mindfulness like i can get triggered you know, like everyone, everyone, we all get triggered, but instead of me needing to like so quickly react in whichever way that looks, it could be shutting down, it could be raging, whatever, I'm able to hold it longer than I used to be and have more options available to me. I don't have to just go to those one or two options that I used to have. I, I have a lot more that I can, I can sit with them and in that in itself gives me so much empowerment because I feel like I'm much more in control of my life than just being this victim. That's just reactive to all these different circumstances that come my way. That's, I, I kind of needed that reframe because I was actually just talking to a girlfriend, um, recently and I, we have like these conversations like these are the conversations we have like if we're together this is what we're doing even if we're like planning on going out dancing in the next hour like this is what we're talking about and I had this moment where I said I don't know if healing actually means like I think I think maybe this is part of like my rainbow thing and part of the glorification thing I do but like that we get rid of these things like self-hatred or shame or like that like somehow like they become not part of the experience but I had a moment where I'm like maybe it's just that there's more space like maybe maybe those things are always going to come because I would like to think that I wouldn't I will stop hating myself sometime like I mean I would like to think that like because I'm so hard on myself sometimes but but like what I have noticed is that I do have more space I still need a lot of work but I do have more space and and self-love can can come can come in in areas that um, I didn't have available before, but I do have more space, which like allows me to not do some of the things, like you said, like the one or two go-to things to make me feel better or not have to deal or whatever. I have more options and I kind of, we sat with, what if that is healing? Is that like, do you think that that actually is the healing? It's like all of these things that we've endured that made us who we are, really don't go anywhere. They just don't become the focal point. They're just, they're there. They kind of like bubble up in some way. And then there's all this other space that happens around it as you're healing. Yeah, I do. I think it just transforms. I think the energy that goes toward those, you know, those symptoms, you know, the self-hatred or the guilt or the shame or whatever it is. I mean, it's, it just, it's like you redirect some of it and so then it just kind of you know tones the noise down of the symptoms and it increases the energy to be available in other directions creativity you know whatever it is uh, capacity for pleasure and I, I i would think it's just a slow progressive process for most of us because a lot of us have really you know had challenging upbringings and our society is really challenging even as adults and 
So, you know, it just takes, it's a progressive process. And I, I, you know, I, I do think that that is a much more realistic and actually a much more kind of compassionate way to look at it. Because when you hold it out, not you, but you know, when a lot of, you know, philosophies and, you know, perspectives hold it out that there's a place you're trying to get to. And then it kind of sets up this thing. Well, if I'm not there, then, you know, um, I'm not, I'm failing. I'm not doing this good job. I need to try harder. I need to do all these different things. It's like, well, what if, you know, we're, you know, like there, there used, they used to talk about like attachment theory. I, I like this language. Now we talk about attachment. We talk about secure attachment. Well, in the original language, they didn't call it secure attachment. They called it on the road towards secure attachment. Ooh, I love that. You know, because oh. there's no, I mean, you're a parent, you know, there's no such thing I, as 100% secure attachment. It's like we're always on the road to it. And that's what we're trying to do as parents who are working on ourselves. We're trying to create greater capacity so that we can be closer in that realm towards more secure attachment. Yeah, I love that. It's like kind of like the good enough mom. Exactly. model yep. as well. It's like, yeah. I mean, me and my girlfriends at work who have children, we're, we're constantly joking around, well, what what is secure attachment? Like, I mean, if we're therapists <laughs> and we're not actually like providing full secure <laughs> attachment and we go to therapy and we've invested in this, then what the hell is secure <laughs> attachment? <laughs> yes. Yeah. But I love the on the road because it, it feels like, okay, yeah, like I am, I'm definitely on the road to you that, are. Uh-huh. you know, like, and that feels good. And I feel like something about like working with, the parents that I work with, like having that, it's like not this like ungraspable thing. It's like, well, I'm not that. So sometimes like when it seems so far out, like yeah. or so far away, you're just like, never mind. Exactly. Well, and, and clinically that's, I like to do that clinically. I like to say like, okay, okay. So let's say they had a situation at work and their boss said something, something to them and they went home and they cried all night. So I, I might say something to them like, okay, you cried all night and I know that, that that's not the response you're happy with. Um, but let's just look a year ago, you know, when your boss came to you about something else. I remember that you were down for a month. You had, you know, you were like depressed. You were like, you know, I mean, you know, like, so yes, you're still at a place where you're not that happy about your response, but look at where you've come from. And I think it's easy to forget or minimize, you know, where we've come from. And, and, I, and I, I like to do that, not to convince them, just to point out the fact. That's just a pure fact. What, and what, I, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. So what do you think that part of our psyche is that we do forget? Because I, I find that that's true in my experience all the time. It's like, ah, I, I already got that, but now, now I need to get this. It's like, what is that? Well, I think it connects back to that, what we talked about earlier about the two parts of ourself, that you have this part that's yearning, and wanting to grow and, and expand and but there's another part of you that is afraid of it and, and is actually blocking it on some level and so every new expansion with it comes this kind of contraction and so you know it's I think there's a way that we are threatened by that you know mm-hmm. and so we in some ways we want to stay stuck I mean part of us part of us wants to stay stuck it's just I think what happens in, inside of us hmm. and we, 
and we, you know, again, we don't want to fight against it, but we also want to just point out the, the reality that yes, you're still stuck in this way, but let's just look at where you were six months ago or a year ago or three years ago. You know, let's, let's compare it for a moment. Okay. This is how you were stuck then. This is how you're stuck now, you know, and <laughs> again, not trying to convince them, just pointing out the fact. It's yeah. like, let's look at it. And I think, know, I actually think that that's beautiful because like where I am, where I'm stuck now is so much better than where I was stuck a year ago. Exactly. Yeah, me too. Me, uh, 100%. And you do, like, I think that there's something about the human psyche that needs that mirroring. Yep. Wow, that's cool. That's cool. Yeah, yeah, and that's, yeah, again, that's part of the clinical, you know, the, the attachment part that comes clinically because a lot of our parents didn't reflect that in us. You know, they actually, in fact, reflected and reinforced the parts of us that weren't up to their standard and so you know even just small progressions being reflect and validated back in that way is can go a long way yeah wow this is cool this is super cool yeah (laughs) well it's cool I love that you have these conversations with your girlfriend it's nice to have people you can kind of bounce these thoughts and you know feelings with oh it's like I think it's I mean, I, I personally need it. Like, I mean, I'm finding that these are the type of conversations that I yearn to have. And for me, for me, where I am in my process right now is just being super authentic and real and raw. And, and I can't help it, but like where I sit with my nervous system and what happens and coming up in my psyche like I have littler ability to bypass um then and and I think that's good like I kind of wonder about that because I feel like a little more rigid too because like before I could bypass and I think like bypassing um is a great tool sometimes like it was made for a reason and it it serves people really well it was really great for me but like I mean there are times where I'm like oh I would like to just go out and have fun and not have like the reality of life and like weighing on me so deeply, but I, I get some type of relief, um, having these type of conversations. And so like I'm finding like my community and my girlfriends and my friends and people, um, that I'm choosing to connect with, like, it's really pivotal for me to be able to like speak, um, in, in this way with people. So, um, it's like not. It's a not a negotiable right now for me. <laughs> yeah, it makes sense. And I mean, I, I, what I hear you saying, and this is how I feel too, is like you're, you know, you're striving towards greater intimacy in your life. Yes, yes. I mean, yes. That that is true. I want I want to see people for who they really are, and I want to be seen in that way too. Yeah. Exactly. And, and I was I, mean, I was so afraid of that before. Like before, like I was afraid to be seen. Yeah. So it's kind of an interesting journey. Well, and I imagine, I don't know you that well, but I imagine there might be still parts that are afraid. And, and that's, you know, again, Terrified. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, in part, this is the journey of learning to understand those parts, identify those parts, accept those parts, or, you know, at least even if not accept those parts, it's like, okay, there they are. And, you know, they're part of this experience too and got to learn how to deal with them. Yeah. And that's where I find like the re, um, the pattern reemerges. Like when I'm, 
when I'm like, finally like, yes, I'm getting intimate. I see I'm seen. Holy shit. I'm seen. (laughs) Then I'll do like an old pattern. Like, you know, I I tend to run like that's kind of like my like flight is like my go-to move. (laughs) So like I'll do that for a hot second and I'm like, oh, it's because I was seen. Like, I mean, oh my gosh, you see me really? Ah, (laughs) I'm human again. (laughs) But yeah, thank you. I really appreciate like I appreciate you taking the time to talk to me and to share what you're doing in the world. And I would love what I, what my intention is with the podcast is, um, to have people come back on and talk about whatever again in the future. Like I I was thinking like once, like twice a year when like, like, where are they now? What are they doing now? What's most alive now? So, um, the listeners can also kind of start having a relationship with the guests that I have on. Um, So if or when you're inspired to come back, I would love to have you come back because I I, I, I just, would love to. I, thank you, thank you. I'm just so I'm so pleased to have um, this opportunity to share with you like this. Yeah, me too. And yeah, yeah, because there's other things I know that you and I would really love to dive into. And one one thing in particular that I I would love to talk more about is because we just kind of stumbled onto this topic of intimacy, but is you know, intimacy in this, the larger sense, not just in the romantic kind of sense, but in the larger sense that actually has to do with all of the global chaos and, and, you know, cultural and, and racial and, you know, sexual discrimination and all this stuff. I mean, there, there's, there's something very powerful about looking at it through the lens of intimacy and, I think it can, you know, again, I, like I was saying before, I like to make things really accessible to people. And so I think that that'd be a really cool conversation to have uh, about, like you said, about with your friends, you know, just going out dancing and stuff. Like, how do we make this into real life stuff? So it's not just us talking about it, but like it, we actually can shift some of these patterns to shift some of the dynamics that are really challenging in the world. I love it. So, so we have another podcast. We are going deep with intimacy and I feel like I can't wait already. Cause I feel like, no, I'm <laughs> serious. Too. I really, I can't wait. I can't wait to do that. Um, talk. So I will definitely email you and, um, set up a new time. That sounds great. Okay. And thank you so much. And I will let you know, you I'll let you know as soon as I have the podcast up and I will, um, everybody who's listening, I will have his contact information and links provided under SoundCloud. And I am now on iTunes officially as of last week. So I'm super excited about that. And thank you very much and have a wonderful day. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye.